And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. JT, welcome in as we begin. Ready to go today on a Friday, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Quick show for me today, one hour. I got an event at Allegiant Stadium for the Raiders. A lot happening at Allegiant Stadium from East West Shrine to taking a look at the concerts coming up to corporate events, the Pro Bowl. I'm excited. A lot, a lot happening at Allegiant Stadium. So I'll be down there the rest of the day today. A lot of news happening, so keep it here to Raider Nation Radio on the news that broke yesterday by Ian Rappaport about Josh McDaniel's name being thrown into the mix as the Raiders and Mark Davis requested an interview. And when that story broke, after our show yesterday, or with eight minutes to go, I was listening to Q. Q's jumping in with me at the top of the hour in for me, and he'll uh, take it from here. And it's a very fluid situation about what's happening. You know, Ian Rappaport has been breaking a lot of news uh, this week in regards to other teams. Here's what he said when he broke the story about this news, the news that Mark Davis swinging big, taking a look at Josh McDaniels. The Raiders owner Mark Davis always takes big swings when it comes to potentially hiring a head coach, and this is a big one. He has requested Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offensive coordinator, to interview with the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm told McDaniels is going to fly in tomorrow, probably have dinner with Raiders personnel tomorrow night, and then have his real interview on Saturday. Now, a couple important things to know here. Hard to imagine Josh McDaniels would take this interview unless he believed he was getting the job. Hard to imagine the Raiders would interview him unless they believed he was taking it. There's a lot to like here. Plus, consider, they interviewed Dave Ziegler, the de facto general manager for the Patriots, for their GM job a couple days ago. They would be considered a package deal. A lot of momentum building toward this in Las Vegas. All right, so everything that Ian Rappaport has up, you can follow it. Uh, they wrote a story yesterday, last night, as I was doing my national show on Sirius XM. Raiders put in request to interview Patriots OC Josh McDaniels for their vacant head coaching job. And it starts off, the guy who wrote the column is Nick Shook, around the NFL writer. He said, Josh McDaniels has found a new horse on the coaching carousel. The Raiders have put in a request to interview him. Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero reported that yesterday with the hope that he interviews with the team this weekend. So when it comes down to the timeline, no one knows the exact accurate timeline. Patriots director of player personnel Dave Ziegler is an ideal front office partner for McDaniels in Las Vegas. And if it all goes well, the two could be on their way to Nevada. Rappaport reported this. Ziegler has already completed an interview with the team for the vacant general manager spot so what we're seeing now is a lot of people pivoting and talking about all these different coaches Todd Bowles Rich Passaccia who did a great job leading the Raiders to the postseason and Gerard Mayo whoever Mark Davis has had in the building I know from being in the building that the Raiders have been very tight on this very hush on this the Raiders are trying to not make news on these issues here they're playing it very close to the vest So now we have to talk about Josh McDaniels without talking about wanting him or not, just covering the story. And remember, the Colts thought that they had him, and they had him recently, but he decided he didn't want the job. 
He was, for a brief period of time, the Indianapolis Colts head coach until he decided he didn't want it. He returned to the Patriots in 2018. The Colts ended up hiring Frank Wright instead. McDaniels went back to the Patriots with Bill Belichick for two more seasons before Tom Brady moved on. So McDaniels is probably the most qualified candidate in all of football because he has six Super Bowl rings. Like him or not, I don't know him, never met him, but Josh McDaniels' track record in this league on winning teams is second to none. There's no other coordinator who has six Super Bowl rings. Let me make that point real. So he deserves an interview. His name deserves to be in consideration, but the issue becomes does he want the job or would he want the job? According to NFL Network, he did a solid job with rookie quarterback Mac Jones this year directing that offense. They were sixth in points per game, eighth in rushing yards, 14th in passing yards per game, and 15th in total yards per game. So New England really turned around that offense because they tightened their offensive line. They were very active in free agency. The defense got the ball back for the offense. And, you know, they were out quickly losing to Buffalo in that super wild card weekend. But I didn't think, and a lot of people didn't think New England would make the playoffs this year. If you look back at McDaniel's entire career, it is pretty impressive from a, per, from a coaching perspective of the tree he comes from and what he's done throughout the course of his career. Josh McDaniels has had some pretty big jobs, and he started with Nick Saban. So I'm just getting everybody up to speed on this. I have no idea if he has any interest in this job. His first job was at Michigan State with Nick Saban as a graduate assistant in 1999, and then he went right to the Patriots as a personnel assistant in 2001. And I know Raider fans are familiar with that time frame, 2001 tuck rule, which we talked about on that 20th anniversary, and we've been getting into the time where Josh McDaniel started with the Patriots. He was a defensive assistant from 2002 to 2003, which I wasn't aware of, before he became the quarterback coach in 2004. With the Patriots, he became the offense coordinator and quarterback coach from 2005 through 2008 with that title, four seasons. That's when he jumped to the Denver Broncos, 2009-10 as the head coach, Remember Tim Tebow winning a playoff game and his passion for Tim Tebow and going in that direction. Not a lot of people remember after he was let go by the Broncos, he went to St. Louis in 2011. He was the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach. But here's where he pivoted and made the big move. Josh McDaniels deserves a lot of credit for this. He decided to go back to the Patriots. That was through 2012 through 2019. Again, as the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, 2020 back to offensive coordinator and up until now back to offensive coordinator and quarterback coach he's a six-time six-time Super Bowl champion as an assistant coach with the Patriots and as a head coach his regular season record is 11 and 17 so that's what we know about Josh McDaniels he's been a polarizing figure Uh, a lot of people don't think he's committed outside the Patriot organization But if he gets an opportunity here, would he take it because he can't have a reputation of turning down job after job? I don't know if he's going to get a job offer. We do not know. But Ian Rappaport and a lot of these other NFL insiders believe that if he gets the job, he'll take it. And again, we have nothing new to add to all of that. We're going to see how this plays out, especially with all the interviews that the Raiders have had at the GM position and the head coaching position in the last week. We we mentioned this yesterday yesterday. 
that this is going to happen quick when two coaches get hired quickly and GMs. So yesterday it was about Chicago and Denver, and I'll get to Denver in a second. We have a guest here who's going to join us in the first segment, Brandon Cristal from KOA in Denver. He covers the Broncos. But yesterday Nathaniel Hackett was hired as the head coach. He came to terms of an agreement, and many people, including myself, think that has a lot to do with Aaron Rodgers. So I don't know who Josh McDaniels wants a quarterback. I don't know if he's taking the job with the Raiders. I don't know how long the interview process is going to be as we kick it here on a Friday on a short show. But this is the biggest story in the NFL. A lot of insiders have pivoted to look at this story and cover this story. And again, I'm jumping out earlier today. Q will pick it up. And Vinny Bonsignor, who has a lot of new information and has been outstanding here. But if anybody was thinking about Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, there is a potential now brewing that the Raiders can go the direction of the New England Patriots by getting their offensive coordinator and one of their big-time names in player personnel to be the GM. It could go in a completely different completely different direction by Friday night, Saturday, Monday, or Tuesday of next week. You're all aware of that. That's why you're listening to Raider Nation Radio. Man, rumors, rumors fly and rumors come up. But once a owner requests an interview with a coach and the coach is coming, that makes major news. And then after that, there's just a few more openings as we wait for the other coaches that are still left. Uh, Bengals are, have a young new head coach who isn't going anywhere. We're wondering if Eric Bieniemy is going to leave Andy Reid after the Super Bowl or if they get beat by Cincinnati. And then on the other side, there's still some Rams assistants and some 49er assistants who are pretty high up, and other teams want to talk about it here. It's a unique time in Raider Nation history. Raider fans are coming off a 10-win season, a playoff berth. They lost to a team that's playing this Sunday in the AFC Championship. They relieved the GM, Mike Mayock, of his duties. John Gruden resigned during the season. Interim coach Rich Passaccia had tremendous success leading the team to the playoffs. And there's a lot of families and coaches that are being affected today. And I want to slow it down for a second and remind everybody about that. There's a lot of coaches that listen to this show, coaches that I'm friends with, coaches that you know personally who have been with the organization for quite some time. It's a very difficult time for their families and kids when there's uncertainty. So please keep that in mind as we continue. And when we find out the news and it gets confirmed by the Raiders, we'll hopefully be the first to tell you or one of our insiders will or one of our other hosts. So that's where we're at. we got a private event at Allegiant Stadium that I'm emceeing with Marcel Reese at the top of the hour and the great Raymond Chester. What an honor to introduce Raymond Chester, one of the great tight ends in NFL history. All right, we got him. Brandon Cristal. I bring him in. I texted him yesterday and last night to talk about what went down in Denver yesterday with the hiring of Nathan Hackett, who comes in there with a lot of fanfare coming in from the Green Bay Packers, and a lot of people want to connect the dots that potentially this could be the birth of Aaron Rodgers hooking up with his coach and be a perfect fit going forward. Brandon, thanks for joining us. And, you know, as I, I think about this, I think about Matthew Stafford before you came on because Stafford was stuck in Detroit and couldn't win. Now he's playing in the NFC Championship game. Denver hasn't made the playoffs the last couple of years because they haven't had the quarterback at the level of the rest of the league. What is the vibe now in Denver on the hiring of Nathaniel Hackett and the potential K-1 
connection that I've been talking about. How about me having this a couple of weeks ago that this would be a perfect fit to tie in Aaron Rodgers to the Broncos? Well, JT, I think you need to look at both of those pieces of potential excitement together and separately, right? They can be mutually exclusive and they can be brought together. The Broncos wanted to hire Nathaniel Hackett because they wanted to hire Nathaniel Hackett. He's a guy that can certainly win the room, and I think he did that with his first interview in Green Bay on the Saturday of Wild Card Weekend when the Packers were off, and then when he had the second interview Monday in Denver, and apparently they opted to go for a little mountain mex instead of going to a traditional steakhouse. I think they had a reserve room at Shanahan's. But Nathaniel Hackett's a bit of a different guy, and so that was the guy George Payton wanted. And now you factor in the Aaron Rodgers connection. And if you go back and you can find over time Aaron Rodgers just extolling the virtues about Nathaniel Hackett, whether it was last year or a couple weeks ago on the Pat McAfee show and a couple times in between, Aaron Rodgers is a big Nathaniel Hackett fan. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to end up playing quarterback in Denver, but it certainly doesn't hurt to have a guy that Aaron Rodgers really likes. Yeah, that's what I think makes this a fascinating national story, big story where you are in Denver, big story where I am in Vegas because the Raiders wanting to block Denver from getting a guy like Aaron Rodgers. But it's really unique to me because Vic Vic Fangio considered a very good coach, but he didn't have an elite quarterback, and he's fired now. If if Hackett doesn't figure out the quarterback position, I don't think that Denver's roster, a roster that you and I talk about often, will make the playoffs without a new quarterback. It doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers in super elite, but he's got to be better than the two in the building. I think so, and one of those guys in the building, Teddy Bridgewater, almost certainly won't be back. Drew Locke, you can see the talent throughout his his entire three years here, and you saw it in college, right? He didn't set an SEC touchdown record for a single season with 44 his junior year on accident, but we know that he certainly has looked limited, at least in Pat Shermer's offense. I don't think Drew Locke's anywhere near plan A, but there is a realistic scenario where Nathaniel Hackett is tasked with getting Drew Locke to win games perhaps early in the 2022 season, but as we're seeing in the playoffs with the exception of what's going on in San Fran, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo's right in that middle tier, the Teddy Bridgewater kind of category, and and so you'll take a guy like that or a Ryan Tannehill, but the other three teams left have elite talents, and when you have an elite talent like Patrick Mahomes, like what we saw with Josh Allen, even Derek Carr is getting to, to playoff games, obviously you're more than aware of that, and Justin Herbert will be in playoff games there's no doubt about that either. You've got to be able to, to – you can't bring a knife to a gunfight, right? You're going to have to bring a gun to a, a gunfight, and the, and the Broncos aren't there yet. Brandon Cristal, Broncos insider, kind enough to join us. The story, and I'll see you in L.A., the Super Bowl, when you think about talks and, and conversations the week before, the bye week of Super Bowl, you know, most fans are just reaching for crumbs or anything, and it's usually about coaches getting hired – you know, coaching carousels, new GMs, and then the dream of a potential blockbuster deal. So what does Denver need to do to close the deal with Aaron Rodgers? Because I think the door should be shut in Green Bay. He can't be Jimmy Garoppolo. Fact, not fiction. He can't be Jimmy Garoppolo. He loses at home. The Niners give him fits. I, don't, I talk to a lot of Green Bay fans, uh, Brandon. I don't think they're saying, oh, my God, we have to have them back. we got to reload and put the band back together. The band can't get out of the first round after a bye week and beat Jimmy Garoppolo. So now the ball's in Denver's court to go close the deal. How do they do it? I think they're going to have to make an attractive offer. I don't think it has to be four first-round picks. I think that 
part of it has to be a conversation between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and their management. And, of course, Matt LaFleur wants Aaron Rodgers back because even though they haven't been able to get over that hump, he knows that going into the season next year and maybe for a couple of years with a guy that's won three MVPs and perhaps a fourth is going to give him a better shot than whomever else they'll roll out there, and that's very likely Jordan Love. But you can't bring back Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and realistically afford them without gutting your team, and you're not going to have anywhere near the same team. And even if you let Rodgers walk and you franchise tag Adams with their cap situation, that doesn't make the most sense because Mm -hmm. it just changes kind of where your franchise is. And so maybe part of the package is not only draft picks, but a young receiver on a rookie deal like a Jerry Judy who's going to be a star, and you'd probably like to see him potentially trade Cortland Sutton or even Tim Patrick who just signed those two extensions here in Denver. But Adams and Rogers are part of a package deal with a bunch of draft picks and I think one of those young receivers and maybe even a young defensive player, perhaps like a Draymond Jones up front, and I'm just throwing this out there, even a Bradley Chubb on his rookie deal with one mm-hmm. year left, are, are going to be part of the package. But it has to kind of all come together on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers side, no matter what the deal is, unless the Broncos are going to go so far over the top and they're not going to gut their team either to bring in Aaron Rodgers. That's a great point. They have a good roster. It's not a playoff roster. It probably is a playoff roster with Aaron Rodgers or an elite quarterback, but there's only so much they can give up. We're talking to Brandon Cristal, reporter for KOA in Denver, sports anchor, covers the Broncos at a very high level, longtime friend of mine. And, Brandon, if Russell Wilson sees this up in Seattle, why wouldn't Russell Wilson say, the hell with Aaron Rodgers, I want to get there. I like this team. I like Nathaniel Hackett. I don't have anything going for me in Seattle. And it's a game of musical chairs, and some of the chairs are going to be gone. Uh, is there another quarterback in Denver that the market's thinking about and you're talking about on radio other than the obvious Aaron Rodgers that would be a great fit? I think Russell Wilson is, is right there. If Aaron Rodgers is 1A, he's 1B. And when George Payton took on the, the GM job a year ago, coming over from Minnesota, he kept turning down. GM jobs, right? We heard that all these teams wanted him and the Browns wanted him. He kept saying no or taking his name out. He said he was going to be in on everything, and they were in on the Stafford deal and and didn't like the way it came together, and obviously Detroit got a good package for sending Matt Stafford to L.A. They kicked the tires on Watson, just kind of doing their due diligence. I don't think that they ever really made any overtures. Obviously, there's a lot going on there. They'll be in on Russell Wilson if he becomes available. I think they'll talk to Seattle and John Schneider and and offer an even better package because I think Russell Wilson in some ways, even though Rodgers has won three MVPs and maybe four is, is worth more because of his age and his potential and what he could do with this roster. And again, if Seattle were to trade him, just like green Bay, you're trading him from the NFC to the AFC. We know that Russell fancies himself a businessman. And every time he signs a uh, endorsement deal, he takes stock in the company. Uh, uh, I think a lot of the times because he wants to, continue to grow his wealth. Well, Denver's the type of city, just like Seattle, he can do that. But there's also places like New York, perhaps Vegas, even uh, Chicago and and, and New, uh, Dallas were teams he liked. We know their quarterback situation is different. So there's certain places he wants to go. He can't go to L.A. Denver, to me, makes a lot of sense. It's not that far from L.A. So I do think they'll be in on Russell Wilson, absolutely, if, if he's available and if they can't lure Rodgers or, or get that deal done. Brandon Cristal, last one. We both know how sports radio works. When you tease listeners to think you can get someone and you don't, the listeners don't react well. We're talking about the guy that goes to the sports bar, listens to sports radio, goes to the tailgate party, and I'm having a feeling Denver's going to get get worked up 
into a lather with this one. And someone's got to deliver here. And I, I think there's a new coach and people are trying to connect the dots. And it's easy to connect Hackett to Rodgers. We just signed off on Russell Wilson. But either way, there's got to be a new sheriff walking in there. And it's, it's not your friend Peyton Manning able to play again. So this should be great, right, for Denver Sports Talk. And the longer it plays out, the better for ratings and more and more listeners tuning in. Absolutely. Not not just where I work at KOA, the Broncos flagship, but uh, but all the stations in town and, and the blogs and the podcasts, everyone's going to have more attention. And the amount of texts uh, that I've gotten really since Aaron Rodgers and the Packers lost to the, the Niners uh, has been more than it's been in, in the last few off seasons where there's still been volatility with the quarterback and questions about Vic Fangio's ability to be a head coach. My phone just hasn't stopped, not just from folks in the, in the industry, but, but friends of mine and whether they're in Denver or just Denver fans from afar that keep texting because there's that buzz. It really started when, when they lost and said, okay, go get Hackett and then have him get Rogers or, you know, Aaron's had his time in, in green Bay. Let's have him come finish his career. Just like Peyton Manning, who you just mentioned, you know, the Broncos do have a track record of every time they've got a hall of fame quarterback at the end of his career, he wins the Super Bowl. And Peyton kind of did show the blueprint even before what, or maybe open the door for what Tom Brady's doing with how you can leave a place where you have a, cemented legacy and you're part of the fabric of that franchise and Rogers certainly is that in Green Bay but Denver's the type of place you can come and and extend that legacy and, and add an extra chapter and so certainly Broncos fans will be worked up into a lather until Rogers says I'm staying in Green Bay I'm walking away from the game altogether or the Packers work out a deal for another team until any of those three things happen and I do think they might happen sooner than later before the league year starts just because he doesn't want to hamstring the Packers one way or the other. But until mid-March, it's going to be wild for the next six, seven weeks here. No doubt about it. And you'll be all over that story. And you nailed it on Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, who has a hospital that he's associated with in Indy, a statue, and set up the blueprint for everybody. Brett Favre tried to do it. No, Peyton did it. He went to Denver, went to two Super Bowls, winning one, and built a brand-new monster legacy so everybody can enjoy that late in their career if they want to move where they had a great legacy and try it somewhere else. Brandon, I'll talk to you before L.A., man. Thanks for doing this. Really appreciate you. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. And exciting times in Vegas. I'm pulling for my man Josh McDaniels to end up there with the Raiders. We'll see. I enjoyed Josh a lot more than other people did. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun here in the AFC West, that's for sure. Appreciate Brandon Cristal for joining us there. Uh, again, the reason why I'm stopping and talking about the Broncos for a minute here is we booked him yesterday before knowing Josh McDaniels was in the news today. 702-365-9200 as we open up the show, brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town. I will be at a PTs over the weekend. Got a couple of friends in town. We're going to get a great lunch. And tonight I'll be at Wahoo's. As there's a big event at Wahoo's, you know, we do a lot with them during football season. And I'll be at Wahoo's between 7 and 8.30, probably a little bit earlier than that, as one of my favorite TV actors is going to be on the scene. Aaron Paul, who starred in Breaking Bad, opposite of Brian Cranston. He's going to be at the Eastern location in Henderson tonight from 7 to 8.30 p.m. signing bottles of his new mezcal. So if you want to come out, uh, courtesy of Dos Hombres Mezcal and Wahoos, one of our proud partners there, I'll be out over there supporting Wahoos and our partnership here and get a chance to meet Aaron Paul, who did a great job on Breaking Bad. What a TV show that is. I'm on to Yellowstone and Ozarks now. So I'm in this binge-watching thing 
finished uh, season three of Yellowstone. Love it. Now I'm going to dive into Ozarks before I get into season four of Yellowstone. And I watched all of Breaking Bad, not in real time, but I binged that too with my wife, and we really loved the show. All right, big news today. Keep it here to Raider Nation Radio. If there is breaking news, you know where to find it, right here on the flagship as we continue on a Friday on the Raiders mobile app. JT, welcome back. Raider Nation Radio 920. Hope everybody has a good weekend. Uh, Very hot situation now going on with the Raiders as they discuss a GM and a potential few new candidates for the head coaching position, including Todd Bowles, Josh McDaniel's name now out there, Rich Passaccia, our guy who's already interviewed for it. So the Raiders are very active today in the NFL verse, and we'll get back to that in a moment. We also booked Kurt Heelan to come on, our NBA insider, and I wanted to talk to him because of what happened last night as I was on the air. Carmelo Anthony got into it with a fan in Philadelphia. It turned out the fan in Philadelphia, one of those dirty, stinking, green, drunk birds, a white fan was sitting two rows back off the court and continued to call Carmelo Anthony boy. Get to the corner, boy. Keep shooting, boy. To the fact that Carmelo couldn't take it anymore. Carmelo Anthony was so upset about what was being said to him that he wanted to go after the fan. Security had to remove the fan, and that's why we bring in Kurt Heelan, uh, lead NBA insider for NBC Sports. Follow him at Basketball Talk. And, Kurt, jump on in, and thanks for getting back to me on what happened last night with Carmelo Anthony, that ugly incident in Philadelphia, and what happens next from the league because Carmelo was obviously triggered. How'd you see it? Yeah, I think with reason, by the way, that's a pretty derogatory term. I don't know what they're going to do. This has been, how should I put this? With the lack of civility, I think we've seen on you know airplanes and, and, mm-hmm. and, and other places in society in, in over the last year, year or so, uh, there's been a little of this around the league, and there's been this before in, in some markets, and it's been a concern. And the league's reaction is, you know, we threw a lot of guys out, but I feel like sometimes there needs to be another line and I'm not quite sure how they reach that, how that, you know, you, they're being pretty public about who's getting, you know, fans getting tossed right now, but I'm not sure how you, how you get that into fans, fans head. By the way, if you sit in the first, you know, the three, four rows of an NBA game, there's a little card on the seat that says you can get tossed for what you say. Like, well, I didn't know that. They, they give you a head. Yeah. You get, you get a heads up when you're those first few rows saying, you know, it's a little more legalese than that, but you're, you, basically your words and actions can get you ejected if it's, you know, basically, I forget the phrasing, but they're essentially like, if you cross the line, <laughs> they can have you tossed. And uh, I think you're seeing it a little more and more lately. Kurt Heelan is our guest. You know, I've been talking for a long time. You and I have been on together for a long time about load management. And now it's even more different than that. It's not so much load management is bothering me. I have something new that's bothering me, believe it or not, and it's players not playing through injuries and not coming back until they're, they believe they're 100% or 90% or whatever it is. And a lot of times I turn on a basketball game and I don't know who's playing. 
and I've talked about this with you. You cover the sport at yeah. the highest level. What's it like for you when you turn on a game to watch it and report on and go to it live and two out of the top four stars aren't in the game? Yeah, it's it's a problem the league's got to find a way to deal with. And, and honestly, the best solution remains play 66 games a year, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, this year is a little – again, I, I think we all know the, the last couple of years have been a little different. But in general, you've got – guys out and guys it's injuries happen in every Mm -hmm. sport but it's an issue for the nba when lebron james versus uh you know just elected captain of an all-star team you know biggest the highest vote getter in the nba he's not going to play and so joel Embiid, who's you know on a on fire in the 76ers rolled the anthony davis played well but they pretty much rolled the lakers it wasn't very competitive at the end, and that's not good television. At least, you know, the second game was a little more competitive. But it's it's an issue for the NBA, especially with the number of games on TV, to not have, you know, what are we going to see when the, the, their marquee Saturday game, JT, Brooklyn versus Golden State. Um, no mm-hmm. Draymond Green. No, uh, it's it's uh, I believe the game is in Brooklyn, so there's no Durant and no Irving. Yeah. Uh, if you're not putting your biggest stars on your biggest stages, then you're you're failing. That that's how the NBA is built to to have people tune into those games. And I, I don't know what you know. A guy's injured, a guy's injured, but I don't know how you. They've got to find a way to get get these stars on the court for these big moments. Yeah, that's a Chase Center game, but you're right. If you have two out of the four oh, stars, okay. yeah. If you have two out of the four stars missing, and the television partners are seeing that game they got to be upset about it. Let's move to the All-Star game, and I hear about Wiggins and the controversy and fans stuffing the ballot box to vote. And is Wiggins really an All-Star? I know he's played at a high level on a very good team, but traditionally would Wiggins and his stats be an All-Star over the last 5 or 10, 20 years in this league? I don't even think he's won this year. And I I, I say that saying that he's actually had certainly the most consistent year of his career arguably the best year of his career. He had a couple of years where he put up some you know, maybe bigger scoring numbers. But in terms of efficiency and fitting in, I, I think this is his best year. He's not an all-star. It, uh, but the fans, you know, like you said, they stuffed the ballot box. They wanted to see him. The check and balance that the league put in was to have the media uh, and, and players vote. But the players and media still had him, I think, sixth in both cases. Um, and the fact that, the fans had Paul, the next, you know, Draymond Green and uh, who can't play mm-hmm. and who came in fourth, by the way. Um, and uh, Paul George got votes. And so some of these players, it just opened the door for kind of the ballot box stuffing to work in a way the league has tried to counter by having these other voters in there. Uh, it's because honestly, JT, you know who deserved it? Rudy Gobert deserved it. Rudy Gobert was he's been really good the first half mm-hmm. of the year. And but I think he was like ninth or tenth in fan voting, so he just never stood a chance. Kurt Heelan joins us. Follow him at basketball talk. Would most NBA fans around the country realize that the Heat are in first place with a thirty one and seventeen record? Or would most fans say, I don't know what you're talking about? I mean, I I, I had to double check again how good Miami's been this year. They've won eight out of their last ten. At twenty and nine in conference, and they're seventeen and five at home. What's going on with them? Why are they so good? You know what? The top team, JT, in both conferences, you know, Phoenix and and Miami, 
I think right now they're the two strongest identities. They're the two strongest mm-hmm. cultures in the league. And that has helped them get through not only the injuries and Knicks and, and stuff, you know, hey, players miss games and obviously COVID this year. But it's also, it, it, with COVID, it's everybody, you know, hey, everybody was dipping deep into the G League, you know, and having to pull guys up. And Miami is a perfect case of Max Struess plays brilliantly and Gabe Vincent plays brilliantly. And everybody they throw out there, hey, they've, these guys have gone through the system. They've bought into the Heat culture. And it works. Their identity doesn't change. They're still scrappy. They're defensive. And now they get Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo back. Uh, I think they're, I think they're a contender in the East. I, I'm not. Con- I want to say I'm not convinced that they could beat a fully healthy Bucks. Or I mean, you know, we'll see what the Nets look like in the playoffs. But I, that said, they did it a couple of years ago in the bubble. And I think defensively, they are built better than most teams to really take on the Bucks. This is. They are a legitimate threat. They are deep. They are versatile. And, hey, they've got a couple of stars. Jimmy Butler can get off shots, and they've got shooting everywhere. They defend. This is a – much like Phoenix, this is a balanced roster that has, like, a stylistic versatility. They can beat you a bunch of different ways, and that's that's got real value. Kurt Heelan, my last question. As we wrap up January, who's the MVP? I look at Chris Paul with 10.1 assists with Harden and how great of a player he is. LeBron second in the league in scoring to Durant. LeBron hurt. Durant hurt. 29-3 to 29-1. And Bede averaging 29, which is incredible. You mentioned Gobert averaging 15.1 rebounds. But there's Steph Curry. 4.8 made threes. If I look at three points made, his scoring and how he was out with a big lead here. Do you still have Curry as the front runner for the MVP or someone else? Uh, I would have put, I mean, as of, we did this a couple of weeks ago. Um, I had Giannis Antetokounmpo on top with mm-hmm. Curry third at the time. He was just, start, Curry's kind of been in that January slump. He's really, he struggled a little bit. He'll break out of it, but, you know, he struggled a little bit over the course of the month. Um, the other guy not mentioned, Jokic, has played brilliantly. Um, it's really wide open going mm-hmm. into the second half of the season. I, I, Durant's going to miss too much time, but LeBron is in the mix. It's, it's. I think between those four guys, any one of them could, and maybe Embiid, the way he has played of late, any one of them could carry this at the end. It's really close. This isn't a case where somebody's run away, running away and hiding. It, it's, it's wide open the second half of the year right now, and it could be one of those years where you're really splitting hairs to decide who wins. Going into a busy weekend in football, thanks for joining me on a busy week going into the NBA and especially going into February. Take care, my friend. Hey, I, I, I'm going to spend a part of my Sunday watching the Rams win, so I'm, I'm into it. Appreciate Kurt Heelan coming in, a really good insider there. I thought that was a really important story to talk about today as we're keeping an eye on football and both the championship games. You can't do that. You can't. You cannot talk down to another human being at a sporting event and believe that you can do that because you paid the price of admission. It's disgusting, it's rude, and you should be barred from that arena for life. And I don't know what Adam Silver's going to do and what's going to happen, but more and more fans. What, it was interesting what Kurt said. You know, I haven't sat close to the court at an NBA game in a couple of years, but I didn't know they put those note cards on the chairs. And There's cameras everywhere and microphones everywhere, cell phones everywhere, and this idiotic fan wouldn't stop doing it, and Carmelo had a fight for his name and family, and no human being could take that. 
especially from some drunk knucklehead, or if, even if he wasn't drunk. Thanks to Kurt Heelan for joining us. I'm out of here at the top of the hour. I want to thank Q for stepping in for me. And we'll be back. I'm on Sunday night after the championship games on Sirius XM. We are brought to you by Charles Woodson. Woodson's Bourbon Whiskey. Have a bottle. Ask for it wherever you go. Especially if you're at the M Resort Spa and Casino. They have it at the Raiders Tavern and Grill behind all the bars. And ask for it in town at any restaurant or liquor store that you go to. Charles Woodson built the Hall of Fame legend, and now he's doing it with his brand, Intercept Wine and Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. As we continue here, Raider Nation Radio, JT, heading into a big weekend here where there's a lot of Raider news brewing on the flagship, 920 AM. JT, let's keep it going. Friday on a beautiful day. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. A lot of speculation today following a lot of insiders, a lot of national insiders. Everybody now circling on Josh McDaniels and the fact that he could be the next head coach of the Raiders. We don't know. A lot of opinion guys in the business, I think I'm one of them, are sitting back wondering what the plan is here and if this is the right course of action for a coach who clearly could have been a head coach several times in his career he's 45 years old he's had tremendous success he's a great play caller and he worked under the Belichick tree we know that a lot of coaches under the Belichick tree recently have not worked out as NFL head coaches Joe Judge Matt Patricia the most recent but you know Mike Vrabel who played for Belichick is one of the best coaches out there and the Raiders are going to interview him coming up here. The reports say he's in town, coming into town today, dinner, and then the interview tomorrow. And what I find most interesting about this story, everybody, as we sit here heading into the weekend, this could happen really quick. It could happen by Sunday or Monday. It could. The Pro Bowl's out here. There's a lot happening. The Super Bowl. In my career, 23 seasons with the Raiders, you know, I started long enough ago where I remember Al Davis made news at the Super Bowl. I mean, that was really cool, you know, going to Radio Row and going to Super Bowls and seeing a lot of Raider news in the lead-up. And we have a Super Bowl bye week this year, which I don't like. I like when you go right from the championship game into the Super Bowl. But they moved it back, and they added another game this year, and everything's pushed back. And that's a topic maybe for next week on how everybody either likes that or not. If it's Cincinnati in the Super Bowl, not a lot of people are going to like Two weeks of Cincinnati Bengal talk. I can promise you. Again, I think I know what I'm doing with topics and topic development and coming in here every day and trying to give you the best topics to talk about that everybody's talking about, not only in the Raiders, but nationally. And if Cincinnati makes the Super Bowl, it's not going to be a vibrant two weeks of Bengals talk and Bengals history. Whoever comes in on the NFC side is going to be a really big story. The Rams staying at home in L.A., Matthew Stafford now becomes this massive Super Bowl conversation about going from a really bad team to a Super Bowl team. And then the Niners and Jimmy Garoppolo and that team with Kittle, Debo Samuel, Robbie Gold, all the guys they have from Nick Bosa to Armstead. They got a lot of guys on that team. Fred Warner, who can take up a lot of hype in a Super Bowl, and the Niners would treat that like a home game. 
Because we're going to see on Sunday if this is a home game for the Niners. If it is, Super Bowl's completely different. As I said, I talked to my broker, ticket broker buddy, Johnny Mack, who I'll be out with in L.A., and he's a legendary ticket broker. I don't mind throwing his name out here. I'm not throwing out his business. He's a friend of mine. And, I mean, he's been this is his 30th Super Bowl as a ticket broker, and the tickets continue to go up, up, and up. And he told me today, if the Niners go, the Niner fans pay the most for Super Bowl tickets. Silicon Valley, Niner fans, whoever it is, they will pay the most amount of money. The average price, 6000 into the door with face value and secondary market. And Niner fans will pay eight to nine grand to go. They'll pay to get into the NFC Championship game. And again, they have a better stadium on the road, Niner fans. Think of this. There's another interesting topic. The Niner fans are coming to Vegas next year, and they're going to be coming in a wave. And we'll talk about Raider Nation holding on to their tickets when that time's appropriate. But the Niners have West Coast hubs now where their fans can get to quickly. Vegas, but they don't play there often. L.A. every year. You know, Raider fans think of L.A. as a home game for the Charger game. For the rest of our lives, Raider Nation has an extra home game in L.A. with the Chargers. And the years coming up where the Raiders are playing the Rams coming up and the Chargers Those are additional home games because the Raider fans cannot be topped in Southern California. Fact, not fiction. But back to the Niners. You know, the Niners have the ability to play the Chargers randomly, but play the Rams every year. And they're getting used to going to that new property, that brand new stadium, and making it their home. But back to Josh McDaniels here before uh, I'm out of here at the top of the hour for a Raider event today. Josh McDaniels has the best resume, period period, in the entire NFL as a coordinator. No one's close. So we'll see what Mark Davis does. That's it. There's, there's no debate on Josh McDaniel's resume. He has six Super Bowls. I don't know if he leaves those rings in a safe, if he puts it in a safety deposit box, but when he opens up his cases of rings, there are six. That means he sat through six Super Bowl Weeks of preparation as as a victor, not the loser. All those AFC championship wins, all those playoff wins, all those film studies, all of those private one-on-ones with Tom Brady. So his resume cannot be touched by anybody. But does that mean he'll work out as a head coach? I don't know. I have no idea because he doesn't have a winning record with Denver. That was a unique situation. Also, a lot of other coaches are being compared that didn't win early in their career, Mike Shanahan uh, being one with his connection with the Raiders and how that didn't work out. Then he went on to win two Super Bowls. Uh, Other coaches that have struggled along the way and then found their groove to start winning. Jimmy Johnson won two Super Bowls. It was ugly when he started off. Ugly with a losing record. A lot of coaches have started off with losing records and then turned out to be fantastic. Belichick in Cleveland. Belichick in Cleveland. Google that. So whatever happens, it'll happen. Keep it here to Raider Nation Radio. Again, Ian Rappaport, who has been discussing this, and he seems to be he seems to be pretty fired up about this news. Here's Ian Rappaport, NFL Network. The Las Vegas Raiders would like to have a coach, and this is an interesting thing that is developing right now in Las Vegas. Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offensive coordinator, is flying to Las Vegas today. Then have dinner with Las Vegas Raiders brass tonight, then have his full interview on Saturday. 
This is a good one to watch because he is expected to pair with Dave Ziggler, the Patriots de facto GM, who previously interviewed with the Raiders for that vacant position. My understanding is Josh McDaniels would not take this interview unless he believed there was a strong chance he'd get it, and the Raiders would not make a request unless they believed there's a strong chance he would take it. A lot of momentum here for both sides. It's going to play out over the weekend. So as you can tell here with the Ziegler combination with Josh McDaniels, uh, that would be interesting. Mike Silver, if you follow him or not, uh, tweeted out, when was this tweet? A little while ago, he says, if Josh McDaniels is hired as the Raiders' next coach, Dave Ziegler would almost certainly be the GM. And in that scenario, the incoming coach and GM would arrive in Las Vegas with a high opinion of quarterback Derek Carr, from what I'm told. Carr has one year left on his contract. So a lot of insiders are now trying to get in front of the story, and it's very tough to get in front of the story. If you put Josh McDaniels into a Twitter search, Adam Schefter, if the Raiders and Josh McDaniels get a deal done to make him the next Las Vegas head coach, a potential OC replacement in New England could be former Patriots assistant, Bill O'Brien. So there's a lot of tumblers happening now as people are looking at this and wondering uh, what all this means. The Raiders put in a request to interview Josh McDaniels and some of the insiders believe that he would not take the interview unless he was assured that he would be the head coach. Knowing Mark Davis the way I do, I don't think Mark Davis is giving anybody a guarantee, anybody a guarantee before they get on a plane that they have a job. No chance. Mark Davis is very thorough. He'll be very thorough in this interview. Uh, Mike Girardi. Mike Girardi from NFL Network also uh, tweeting a short time ago, a couple of hours ago, on Josh McDaniels possibly to the Raiders. I can tell you both sides have vetted each other thoroughly. And belief from league sources that I've spoken to is that Josh has rebuffed other job openings during this hiring period. To take the interview shows how serious he is. Uh, Josh Dubow, who tweets a lot about the Raiders. Bill Belichick's seven Patriots assistants. Josh McDaniels, Romeo Cronell, Eric Mangini, Bill O'Brien, Matt Patricia, Brian Flores, Joe Judge, who have gotten head coaching positions, have combined for a 410 win percentage. 410 under 500, and five playoff berths in 27 seasons. O'Brien had four. Mangenius had one. So what, what do we get out of this today? We get out of this that we are waiting. Vinny Bonsignor, our teammate here, I'm sure he's going to have a great show today. He's had a lot to say. Vinny tweeted out one other thing about Josh McDaniels and pinning his success on Tom Brady. The flip side of that, is the challenges of coaching perfectionists like Brady, Kobe, Michael Jordan. If you don't bring it in on a daily basis in a way they don't respect or respond, they will chew you up and spit you out. And you know, Josh McDaniels is part of that meat-grinding system there in New England where they just work. They work. And if he ends up being the coach of the Raiders, there will be no debate about the work ethic. I've always thought there's been great work ethic around the Raiders. Rich Passaccia, clearly, and John Gruden was an animal, animal in regards to work ethic, period. Just one of the hardest working people I've ever been around. And Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick 
Again, I haven't been around them, but everybody knows about their work ethic and what they've done. So a lot of discussion today. And as we said on this show, we respect the process. And then when we find out the process, I'm not looking uh, tonight or tomorrow to run around steakhouses in Vegas. I'm not hiding in steakhouses. If I wanted to sit down, I could come over to the table and introduce myself. I'm not guessing where they're going to have dinner. But I know that everybody's vetting each other. And it's an interesting time here with the Raiders on the next head coach, Rich Passaccia coming back or someone new in the building, and then the GM. But it sounds like the GM and the coach are going to be tied together. And most NFL insiders think about that. It's going to be a great weekend. A lot of content here on Raider Nation Radio. This is why we at Lotus built this flagship along with the Raiders for breaking news and exciting times and just giving you the information and interaction you need as we are brought to you by Resorts World. I'm inside Resorts World at Doghouse Saloon for Monday night football, playoffs, all big events. Head on out this weekend to Resorts World. It'll absolutely blow you away. This is Raider Nation Radio.